People aren't trading Bitcoin. They're accumulating more and more of it over time and holding it long term, aka stacking sats. This is evident not only through the raw on-chain data and exchange flows, but also through consumer behavior. The best in Bitcoin made audible. I am Guy Swan and this is Bitcoin Audible. What is up, guys? Welcome back to Bitcoin Audible. I am Guy Swan, the guy who has read more about Bitcoin than anybody else you know. Sorry for a bit of an episode gap last week. Uh, we have been dealing with life, and uh, life comes at you fast sometimes, but uh, getting back in action. Uh, today, we start off the week with a great read from Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, this is actually something I a lot of thoughts in this article. Uh, I wanted to hit in a guy's take episode um, because I think this is a really big deal and it's important to conceptualize where we are in this next Bitcoin bull run and the phase of Bitcoin that we are in. Um, and this article just kind of hit it on the head. So I was like, oh, well, this is the perfect segue into that conversation. Um, and it's by uh, Abe Aluri. Uh, hopefully I said that name right. Um, it's a guest post on Bitcoin Magazine, first time author on this show. Uh, so I will have links to his show, uh, social as well as a few other articles that he mentions in this uh, in this piece, actually, to check out. Um, but uh, before we get into it, real quick, let's thank our two wonderful sponsors for Bitcoin Audible. We've got the BitBox Hardware Wallet, a secure, open source, and super simple way to hold your own keys. I really love everything about this wallet. I'm especially uh, really like the desktop app, um, how easy it is and how easily I can connect to my own node. Uh, guyswan.com slash bitbox check them out then of course the astronomical headache I have had recently with banking has I'm just pulling my hair out that level.co is not available in my state um, but they are a full mobile banking suite of services and an exchange with no trading fees uh, so if you want to check them out go to guyswan.com slash level to find out more about their service and see if it is available in your area. And before we get into the article, though, I just want to say we've got kind of a lull in the price right now, and this is a perfect opportunity to start auto-stacking sats. Uh, I just got my sister fully set up at swanbitcoin.com slash guy. Uh, get that sweet $10 worth of sats for free to start off with. She's stacking, I think, $25 a month, and she doesn't have to do anything. This is the way to stack sats, guys, um, and they're not sponsoring the show. This is just, I mean, you can't, it does help the show. Like, I get like a $5, I think, for the referral link, but literally, this is just how I buy Bitcoin now. Um, it's how I do my one-time buys when I come into a little bit of more, uh, more money. It's how I do my auto stacking, DCA, and uh, it's got lower fees than anything I'd used before, so... It's kind of a no-brainer, but check them out. That is Swan Bitcoin, no relation, swanbitcoin.com slash guy. But without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into today's article, and it's titled Bitcoin 2017 versus 2021, How This Bull Run is Different by Abe Aluri. 
2021 is shaping up to be a momentous year for Bitcoin as the price hurdles toward $40,000, more than double its 2017 all-time high. As holders rejoice and naysayers are left in disbelief, it's important to note that a lot has changed in the world since 2017, making this bull run infinitely disparate from the previous one. Global pandemic and political mayhem aside, Many other things have changed in the last few years, even in the microcosm of Bitcoin. In short, 1. Bitcoin, not shitcoins. 2. Accumulation, not trading. And 3. Institutions, not consumers. Bitcoin, not shitcoins. In 2017, Bitcoin was like a gateway drug for all of crypto. People weren't necessarily looking at Bitcoin as a long-term investment. They were using Bitcoin to trade altcoins and get into ICOs, gambling away fortunes in hopes of getting filthy rich. 2017 was the first time that the mainstream public had any sort of exposure to crypto assets, and when it happened, it was like the Wild West. Regulation was near zero, and anybody anywhere who had some money could spin up a token and list it on an exchange. Consumer protections were non-existent, and suddenly, everybody was an expert on evaluating early-stage blockchain-based, quote, investments. This led to the ICO craze, where everyone from your Uber driver to seasoned Silicon Valley investors became blinded by the hype and got burned on fundamentally unsound investments. To my chagrin, this is likely how the majority of no-coiners today remember Bitcoin and crypto. This New York Times article is the epitome of 2017 cryptomania. New York Times headline. Everyone is getting hilariously rich and you're not. A lot of the hype and money to be made in 2017 was outside of Bitcoin. So capital flowed from fiat into Bitcoin and then into pretty much every other cryptocurrency. From there, it essentially went to shit as the creators of the tokens and early investors took everyone's money by dumping their bags. Reminder, Satoshi has never sold any Bitcoin. In fact, within the first half of 2018, over 86% of all ICOs that listed in 2017 had fallen below their initial listing price. And their founders are likely either in jail or enjoying their ill-gotten wealth on a beach in some remote island paradise. This time, things are different. Money flowing from fiat to Bitcoin is staying there. Bitcoin market dominance was at an all-time low during peak cryptomania in 2017, and now it's almost double what it was then. Altcoin volumes are relatively low, especially among retail investors. The people who are dabbling with altcoins, specifically Ether, are the ones who are experienced, not newcomers. Most trading activity in crypto happens in DeFi on the Ethereum blockchain. Whale-dominated decentralized exchanges which take technical experience and understanding to use. And in derivatives markets, CME and backed futures and options for institutional players and offshore derivatives exchanges such as BitMEX. Bitcoin is no longer being used for trading or as a way to move capital into other crypto assets. Instead, it's being accumulated for the long term. Accumulation, not trading. In the last two years, over $30 billion worth of Bitcoin has been accumulated for the long term. A total of 2.814 million Bitcoin are in accumulation addresses right now. 
That's 15.16% of all Bitcoin in circulation. 62.3% of all Bitcoin in circulation hasn't been moved in over a year, and less than 15% of it is actively traded on exchanges. This much Bitcoin hasn't been hodled since pre-2017. As you can see, this number plummeted during the bull run, when trading altcoins and ICO investing was popular. And here we have a graphic that I just want to describe. Um, uh, it's from Glassnode, which is a wonderful data source. You can check out the uh, article link uh, if you want to see this. But it just shows that there was a huge dip during the bull markets that represent uh, Bitcoin that was previously holdled uh, becoming active again. And there was a huge dip during the 2017 bull run. However, the subsequent dip that we are seeing with our recent price surge is tiny in comparison. In fact, it only just breaches below the peak hodl zone from back in 2016, meaning that there is far more Bitcoin being held rather than suddenly becoming active during this bull run so far compared to 2017. People aren't trading Bitcoin. They're accumulating more and more of it over time and holding it long term, aka stacking sats. This is evident not only through the raw on-chain data and exchange flows, but also through consumer behavior. People are dollar cost averaging or DCAing, buying the dip and getting Bitcoin back rewards. Consumer Bitcoin products see this demand and are building for it. Cash App, Rive and Swan DCA buy X Bitcoin every Y time interval. Then rise accumulation. Automatically buy the dip and accumulate more Bitcoin than by DCAing. Lolly and fold. Get Bitcoin back on everyday purchases. Why is this shift happening from trading Bitcoin to accumulating it over time? There are two equally important explanations for this shift. One, the COVID-induced macroeconomic environment. Central banks are printing unlimited amounts of money and interest rates are near or below zero. This will inevitably lead to inflation, so capital is flowing into inflationary hedges such as Bitcoin, gold, and real estate. Bonds are worthless. Fiat currencies are losing value day by day, and we've already seen two currency collapses in the past year, Turkey's and Lebanon's. People are hedging the existing financial system, as well as fiat inflation, by accumulating Bitcoin. Further reading. And he's got links to two previous articles that he's written. Bitcoin as insurance. Why investors know $11,000 is just the beginning. And then another titled, Money Printing, Inflation, and the Bull Case for Bitcoin. Number two. Anthropological and Monetary Theory The Evolution of Bitcoin All organically adopted money follows a path of evolution. Collectible, store of value, medium of exchange, and finally, unit of account and reserve asset. Like gold, seashells, and beads, Bitcoin started as a collectible. Its scarcity, unforgeable costliness of creation, and the price somebody else is willing to pay for it are the things that gave it value to the average individual. Thus, it was heavily traded 
from 2016 to 2018 as a speculative collectible or commodity, following the same behavioral economics patterns as baseball cards, oil, and pork belly futures. Now, Bitcoin is evolving into a store of value, something that will retain its purchasing power, preserving and growing wealth over time. Precious metals, interest-bearing assets, productive land, etc. have been traditional stores of value. Bitcoin is joining these ranks as consumers, public companies, and most importantly, institutional investors are all buying Bitcoin as a store of value in an inflationary environment. Further reading, The Bullish Case for Bitcoin. I will have the link in the show notes. We have the audio for VJ's The Bullish Case for Bitcoin available on this show. It's highly, highly recommended. Institutions, not retail. 2017's bull run was led by retail investors, everyday folks trying to get into Bitcoin and make money. Smart investors mainly thought it was a scam, with the exception of some notable diehards like Chamath Paliapatia and the Winklevoss twins. How it started. Bloomberg headline from September 12, 2017. Jamie Dimon slams Bitcoin as a fraud. How it's going. Bloomberg headline from January 4th, 2021. JP Morgan says Bitcoin could surge to $146,000 in long term. This time, everyday consumers aren't paying as much attention. Part of that is because every single person is worn out from the dumpster fire that was 2020. And people just don't care about Bitcoin right now. Part of it is the focus from media coverage on pressing issues like COVID-19 vaccines, impeachment 2.0, economic stimulus, and more. With consumers largely preoccupied, institutional investors are leading this 10x rally from $4,000 in March 2020 to new all-time highs past $40,000. A Fidelity report from June, shortly after unlimited fiscal stimulus was announced, found that more than 35% of institutional investors see value in Bitcoin, and they're far less concerned about price volatility and market manipulation than they were before. Massive institutional players, including JP Morgan Chase & Co., Deutsche Bank, Citibank, and Guggenheim Partners, have publicly come out in support of Bitcoin. Grayscale now owns more than 630,000 Bitcoin, 3% of the total Bitcoin supply, mainly on behalf of accredited and institutional investors. Insurance company Mass Mutual placed $100 million of its assets in Bitcoin. Legendary investors Paul Tudor Jones and Stan Druckenmiller have disclosed personal positions in Bitcoin as a store of value. Publicly traded companies like Square and MicroStrategy have placed treasury reserves in Bitcoin, and many more will follow. Regulatory and infrastructure improvements have made this possible. In 2017, even if a public company wanted to buy $500 million worth of Bitcoin, there wasn't any easy way to do it, and storing that Bitcoin would be an operational and security nightmare. This is no longer the case. MicroStrategy was able to buy about 38,000 Bitcoin with minimal slippage, and market participants didn't notice. Banks can now custody Bitcoin, 
and institutional-grade Bitcoin custody solutions have been built since 2017 by companies like Coinbase, Gemini, Fidelity, Anchorage, and BitGo, among others. Liquidity providers like B2C2, Genesis Trading, and Jump Trading, as well as OTC desks like Cumberland, are all mirroring the order routing and execution services that exist in traditional markets. Many of these companies are racing to consolidate these services and build a prime brokerage similar to Apex Clearing for traditional markets and to capture increasing institutional demand. The increase in institutional investors has legitimized Bitcoin for everyday people. Retail interest is starting to spike, but it's nowhere near where it was in 2017. Conclusion The narrative shift from trading to accumulating, combined with the increasing presence of institutional investors, are making this bullish cycle far different from any previous ones in Bitcoin's history. Bitcoin is no longer a speculative collectible that people gamble on in hopes of making a quick buck. Instead, it's becoming a true store-of-value alternative to gold that institutions, corporations, and consumers are accumulating to protect and grow their wealth over time. And that concludes Abe's guest post uh, from Bitcoin Magazine. Let's take a quick break for our sponsor, and I really want to talk about why I agree that the 2021 rally is a very different beast. I cannot tell you how much I hate banks right now. I spent another hour on the phone this morning trying to get a hold of for a transfer removed so that I could get money to my fold account. I legit want to slap somebody right now. This is why Level.co is a necessary evolution in banking. It is literally Bitcoin banking. You can buy, hold, and bank with Bitcoin using this service. You get a debit card, you get a fully FDIC-insured account, you get direct deposit, you get ACH transfers, and you get a, whole, a hosted multi-sig wallet. Can you imagine a day where moving money into and out of your bank account was as simple as a Bitcoin transaction? Well, that day is here. It's at level.co. And considering the five days I've had my funds locked up in my bank, the four days I still have to wait for it to finally land in fold, I can tell you it is long overdue. If you want to skip all that crap, check out Level at guyswan.com slash level. I got to say, one of the most interesting things about this bull run so far, uh, or at least the unexpected thing that I believe is really pleasing, is the lack of flood into shitcoins. I really think most people have gotten burned and the, the, the altcoin casino gave such a bad impression of the entire space back in 2017 that it's just not having a resurgence like that. Um, and literally, I mean, he points it out in this article but, um, and it's absolutely true that there's just been almost no additional, like real additional retail adoption to uh, DeFi and the whole shitcoin space. In fact, tons of altcoins just in general, volumes have been like just sad. Um, even the ones in, and you see this like slight dollar increase in a lot of prices. Um, and I think really it's just a lagging indicator of the BTC um, uh, price increase. And if you look at like, like Ethereum is the best example of 
one that appears to be doing really well in all of this because they just quote unquote reached their all time high. And that's obviously in dollar terms. Uh, and I've seen this all over Twitter. Oh, the Ether Alley and all this stuff. It is not anywhere near their all time high in relation to BTC. Um, uh, and they're in one of the best positions of the entire market because of this DeFi token printing fiasco that's propping them up, but they're still a full 73% below their all-time high in terms of the Bitcoin price. So this rally is almost entirely directed at Bitcoin. There's a very minimal spillover effect into shitcoins, which is a really, really good thing. I think that's a really good sign of well, it's just a sign of maturity and it's a sign of who it is that's leading this rally. These are institutional investors, as uh, Abe says in or explains in this article. And we've seen more and more. There's so much indication that this is exactly what's happening, aside from the fact that they've just been announcing it on Twitter. And it's been one after the other every freaking week, it feels like, for four or five months now. Um but a lot of people have still been saying there's going to be an alt rally and there's going to be the degenerate gamblers flooding in. And to some degree, uh, there that's inevitable. Like when a, an entire industry blows up, like even the crappiest of the crap will always have some sort of a rally. There will be unique interest and there will be uh, additional ignorant uh, entrants into the system who will just throw their money at anything. Um but I don't think it will be meaningful. Um, it won't be anything like 2017. Uh, and there are just too many things uh, that um, that specifically look like 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 the the pretend uh, value cases that a lot of these altcoins have, I think are actually going to get wrapped up into anything that's actually useful in these altcoins as far as like a you know, some service or programmatic thing that they've done that's interesting. Uh, I think in the next year or two, it's going to be obsoleted. I think it's going to be built on top of lightning and it will be, not only will it be built on top of lightning, but it will be built better and it will be using Bitcoin. Um, and there's so much unbelievable potential right now in lightning. And I see that, that like we're really in the calm before the storm with lightning. Um, it's, we are absolutely in an upkick. And there's so much happening behind the scenes preparing for like major moves right now. Um, and I really think it's going to just take a giant dump on so many of the supposed altcoin um, value cases, like the reasons that, you know, to even have one, like every one of them that says, oh, we do way more transactions per second. They're out, they're out the window. All the ones that are like, oh, we do smart contracts. They're out the window. Like, I really think it's all going to move over to Bitcoin in a very in a very quick way, actually. And again, the only thing that I really think is holding interest in retail gambling circles is the infinite token printing machine that's happening over in DeFi. Um, but that is never going to get institutional interest. And that is where you move from a billion dollar asset to a trillion dollar asset is institutional interest is in massive hedging in long-term positions and they are not going to be buying and trading food tokens and staking that crap you know mass mutual and blackrock are not going to go buy a bunch of sushi to stake on uniswap and get paid interest in yams shit's not going to happen i'm sorry um they want institutional grade assets they want robust 
reliable cryptographic foundations. They want highly liquid and well-tested markets and custodians. Um, like they, they, they have to have liquid capital markets. In fact, Bitcoin is the only thing that even comes close in this regard. And it didn't just two years ago. Like this, the, the peak volume in 2017 was barely enough to get institutions going, okay, this is an interesting sized market. And then of course it plummeted going into 2018. But we are hitting volumes now. We are hitting the amount of capital and liquidity in the markets um, that are dwarfing what's been going on in 2017 now. Um, and none of these, none of these massive institutions are making month-long plays. None of them. They aren't buying in on some hype, riding it for a month, and then getting out with a 25% profit. That is what almost everyone was trying to do in 2017. That was the whole market rally. None of these institutions and players are doing this. Many of them have been planning and building their positions for years already, since 2018 and 2019. And they intend to have a position for years to come. This is exactly why we have seen such unprecedented movement of coins off of exchange balance sheets. Um, like literally the, the, the coins available for trade on exchanges uh, has been decreasing. And this is another one of those, like Glassnode is just has such incredible statistics, um, but their, their service to get like up-to-date statistics is really expensive. So I just follow the people on Twitter that uh, screenshot, pay for it, screenshot it, and then post it on Twitter. But if you look at um, just the data they, uh, that uh, they posted in this um, about, not, not about the amount of, uh, Bitcoin that came off of exchanges, which they do have statistics on that is how many, uh, uh, what are the balance on exchanges? Um, but the, this is the percent of supply last active over a year ago. So what this means is how recently did the Bitcoin move? So the higher the percentage means the coins have stayed, um, uh, have stayed stagnant or, or not stagnant, but they have been heldled <laughs> for longer. Um, and there are more co coins being held. And if you look during the 2017 rally, it peaked right around 60% of the available coins that were, that had been around that had been chilling for over a year. And then as we really got into the 2017 bubble, it just started to plummet. I mean, just plummeted all the way down to about 40%. And if you look back in their 2014 range, uh, that had gone down to like into the 35-ish percent. So it means a massive amount, like more than half of the coins now are, are quote unquote fresh. They've moved within uh, the last year. Now, we had actually very recently hit an all-time high in the amount of coins being held. It was at like, looks like it's, I'm just going by visually by the chart. It looks like it's like 63 or 64%. And only in this last rally, when it bumped up to 18, 19, and then shot up to 40, only then has it now fallen back below 60%. Remember, 60 right around 60% was the high of the holdal wave back in 2016. So we have only reached the amount of holdling that is going on in 2016 with this rally. That's a huge shift in just how much is being stored.
um, how much is it, it's it's suggesting that all the people who have been holding for over a year now aren't selling that only a very small amount of them are actually moving to exchanges. And that doesn't account for the fact that a whole bunch of institutions are buying and moving them off of exchanges. So even though they are moving to cold storage, they would still actually look like fresh movement of coins. And that statistic has just been crazy lately. In fact, just yesterday, somebody moved one institution, withdrew half a billion dollars, like $500 million off of Coinbase. Um, and they immediately broke it up into like, uh, I think it was like 2,000 Bitcoin, like groups of 2,000 Bitcoin or 5,000 Bitcoin or something like that. So it was about 15,000 Bitcoin that were moved off of the exchange. Um, but I mean, it was, it clearly looks like, like if you just look at the block, uh, uh, the blockchain, like look at the data, um, it, uh, it looks like somebody's moving to cold storage. Um, and you know, that's what you do when you're moving that amount of money off of Coinbase. Some institution serious institution just bought a crap ton of bitcoin and moved it off the exchange and in fact and this is one day one day is this is how much moved um and in fact just going through the entire like all the major exchanges it was 20,000 bitcoin in total so one entity was 15,000 bitcoin but the net uh decrease in uh bitcoin that are available to exchange uh indicating the amount of Bitcoin that is likely going to cold storage, that is likely being stored for the long term, was 20,000 Bitcoin. It's about $700 million in a day got pulled off of uh, liquidity and trading, off the trading platforms. That's not a small deal. Um, and you look at the institutions that are doing this. Like, Remember, we hear about these institutions making their investments after they did it. Like they don't, they don't, they, like nobody goes up, like, you know, BlackRock isn't going to come up on TV and like on CNBC and be like, yeah, tomorrow we're going to buy 80, you know, $8 billion worth of Bitcoin. No, they're not going to do that. They will announce that they did it two weeks after they did it. Um, uh, because otherwise everybody's just going to front run them in the market and they're going to get horrible prices. And if you go to bitcointreasuries.org, you can see how how extensive this list is becoming how quick and how quickly it's doing uh, it's doing that um and uh, at the exact same time michael saylor which actually started today if i'm not mistaken is holding an online conference with as he says thousands of ceos board members and you know everybody else from companies public institutions and uh, uh hedge funds and all sorts of things that are essentially uh getting onto this conference uh, just so that they can lay out their entire playbook, their entire Bitcoin playback playbook. They're basically handing it out over like a four day period. He said, uh, uh, Michael said on, uh, I think it was like a CNBC, uh, uh, um, interview or whatever, uh, presence that, uh, th they did basically like half a year's worth of research it was like six to eight months, I think was his, his example. Um, they did research. They did planning. They were trying to figure out how to build their position. Like, how do they even get in? Is there enough liquidity? Which exchange or service do they use? Do they use OTC? Um, they buy it on the open order books. Um, how do they meet regulatory compliance? How do they hold their coins? Uh, what type of security do they need? Uh, who do they use? Do they use a custodian? Do they partially use a custodian? They do some multi-sig setup. You know, that's a massive amount of work, particularly with something that they know nothing about going into it. Um, and he's just basically breaking this all down. He's going to save all of these other institutions and corporations like five months worth of work so they can just 
They can just copy-paste. I don't think we could discount how big of an impact that might have for companies that are very, very serious about getting this on their, uh, on their balance sheets, um, putting Bitcoin in their treasury. And then back to the, uh, the lightning um, uh, example or the, the mention of that earlier is that OKCoin exchange, like one of my, like the most routing I have done is through, uh, like for my channels that I have in my lightning node are async and Bitfinex. Um, so, uh, and Bitfinex is an exchange that has, like you can deposit and withdraw over lightning and the ability to do instant transactions, um, uh, and like with almost no fees is going to be massive. It's going to be absolutely massive for arbitrage and it's super critical for exchanges in particular you know like there are there are mad there are companies who have laid like if you look at like the history of trading and exchanges and all this thing there are companies that have literally placed their buildings in a particular spot so that they could run a direct fiber line to the exchange and they could get like a a 13 millisecond lead on the data from everybody else in the market and they could automatically trade um uh ahead of uh the other market players and that this is this results in massive massive profit potential because they have they have 13 milliseconds on all of their competitors when you're talking about a market that gets that liquid and is becoming that mature the ability to go from exchange to another exchange instantly and for almost no fee there are going to be massive massive liquidity like in private channels between exchanges so that somebody can pull off 20 million dollars from kraken and send it to okcoin and uh they can play an arbitrage opportunity between you know the u.s and china or whatever it is and that's when really really massive players get very interested in the financial markets side of things um, and I think Lightning is going to take over that in a huge way. And the more adoption there is as Bitcoin as a store of value and uh, as a legitimate um, asset, uh, I think Lightning is just is right behind it. Um, I think the push and the need for the Lightning Network uh, will grow uh, in in tandem with it. In fact, I think it will get even bigger because um, we'll have so many novel technologies or so many novel services and use cases and we'll finally have we'll finally have the internet of money really exploding and uh and suddenly the demand for payments and uh for services and like new uh, new new products uh, offered for bitcoin will grow so much that lightning network will just be a necessity like like the adoption of it will be the only way to sustain these services and at the end of all of this, you know, after seven years, Elon, Elon Musk, the richest man in the world, has officially had his aha moment um, and is now a big proponent of Bitcoin. You know, he's got Bitcoin in his bio and explicitly said that he sees this becoming in the in the clubhouse thing. Somebody like wrote the transcript. Unfortunately, I missed it. But um, he said that this is becoming a widely held and legitimate asset. You know, like this is becoming legitimized to like major players all across the, um, you know, the financial and institutional world. Um, and so much, so many other things are happening at the same time. The mining industry is changing rapidly. Uh, there's so much new investment 
um, in, in that space. And it's marriage with the energy production sector uh, is is becoming more and more cemented by the day, which is so freaking exciting to see how this is going to be such a, a massive tool for energy effic efficiency and for um, uh, capturing so much wasted energy. We've done so many articles on this um, and uh, episodes on this in the past, but it's a fascinating topic for anybody hasn't who hasn't hit it yet. Uh, basically, you know, in summary, Bitcoin is the best um, uh, non-time dependent, non-geographically restricted um, subsidy for renewable, lost, or wasted energy that we've ever had. It is a natural subsidy to find every single place where energy is being thrown away and that is a massive amount by the way the uh llnl which um has like done like you know overhauls or excuse me um research on um uh the entire like uh, uh electrical grid and where energy is lost and trying to you know figure it out and tally it all there's 66 percent 66% of our energy is lost in one form or another before it actually gets to its end user. And which means that if you even, if, if there's a way to even capture half of that, we could spend the same amount of energy on Bitcoin mining as all consumers use across the entire country and not add one watt to the demand just by capturing wasted energy which would be which would actually lower co2 emissions not increase them at all um, i mean obviously that's just theoretical we're just i'm just throwing out numbers here but that amount of wasted energy exists to take advantage of and that cannot simply be dismissed and right now with mining profitability at incredible levels like it still only takes like eleven thousand dollars to mine a bitcoin um uh, energy wise uh, and obviously Bitcoin just shot up to $40,000 and now is in the low 30s. The amount of investment in that industry um, is is exploding for uh, obvious reasons. Um, so it will be really interesting to see that continue. But this is truly like we're entering the stage where this is an investment grade digital asset. This is a hardcore, highly established, legitimized. We don't make arbitrary changes to this thing. It's not a token printing circle jerk like like this is a real asset this is for serious investors this is a legitimate systemic hedge against the entire financial infrastructure and at the exact same time it has entirely novel services entirely novel custodial setups and um and is the ultimate joining of the of the cryptographic technology with money and finance money is becoming a tool of cryptography and this is this is just the beginning you know we're 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 about to have our http moment here <laughs> like we're, we're still at the beginning of the internet like he says actually uh Abe says in this article that i thought was just really great um is the the path of evolution for money and organically adopted money, like natural, naturally emerging money, follows a path of evolution. First, it's a collectible. Then it becomes a store of value. Then it becomes a medium of exchange. And finally, it's a unit of account and reserve asset. Understand, we're at step two. We're at step two. This is just getting started. And this is also a really important way to remember 
that we are at the very beginning of this thing. Um, we, you're not late to the game. We're just getting started. This is going to be the native money of the internet. We're, we're peanuts in, in relation to that, just that um, addressable market. So uh, it's going to be a crazy year. Uh, it's going to be a crazy decade. Um, uh, thank you guys for being here with Bitcoin Audible. A huge thank you to our sponsors, um, Level.co and the Bitbox from Shift Crypto. Uh, combined, they are your Bitcoin banking services and your hardware, like hold your own keys, cold storage. You can check them both out at guyswan.com. They're right there at the top of the page. Um, and uh, don't forget to subscribe if you want to learn everything. Like this is literally, Bitcoin Audible is literally like the bachelor's degree in all of the topics and concepts and ideas around Bitcoin. Uh, shit, it's basically a master's degree. It's like 600 damn hours of stuff now. Um, so, uh, I mean, we're, we're right on the cusp of 500 reads. So thank you to everyone who has, who has been with me for all of this time. Thank you to everyone who is new here. Thank you to my patrons. It's been a wild ride. Um, uh, and with that, uh, I will catch you all tomorrow with another episode of Bitcoin Audible. Don't forget to subscribe. And until then... Take it easy, guys. This has been a 111 production, and you were listening to Bitcoin Audible on the Crypto Economy Network.